Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. If you're hearing the sound of my voice right now, that's because you are either listening live and are in the chat room, or you've happened upon a pre-edit copy of the Scuba Obsessed Netcast. Come back in a few hours, and we'll have an edited version all ready for you. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed Episode 239 is recorded live April 30th, 2015. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson. Coming to you from the west side of Michigan, where we are re-entering February as we step into May. Can you believe the weather? Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How you doing, Mac? I'm doing very well, and I'm thawing out, so I'm, I'm doing pretty decent. What we're referring to this is you can always have to count on that you're going to have some frost, uh, you know, early May, late April. It's going to happen. But three days in a row? Here. Well, last week we had snow, remember? Uh, I know. I saw some people had snow collecting. That kind of came down. I even saw it with my own eyes for a few minutes until the tears filled up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess the only thing we'd say is that we haven't had a lot of rain, so that should be clearing up the rivers a little bit. Oh, yes, it, yes they are. And if the ground temperature gets warm enough, then the farmers will be happy because they can start to plant. You know, what they want to do is get the seeds in the ground and then get some gentle rains to help them germinate. And I'm just going to get my grass growing. I you got know, Mike? Balls. So I got so many ball spots from those freaking moles. Yeah, all oh, the moles are terrible. Uh, I, in, in my grass, I've, I've got a little bit ahead. I was fighting my lawnmower I had, last weekend. I got the first weekend, I got everything all mowed, and I was happy. This last weekend, I went to get it started again, and I even bought, you know, I changed the oil and put a filter on. I couldn't get the darn thing to start. I tore apart the alternator completely, and that, not alternator, starter, and that's what's happening. The starter's starting to wear out, so. That's why you have a pull cord? Pull cord? Pull cord and ether. Because this is a riding lawnmower, and so if I had, uh, if you had a pull cord, I'd, you'd look like that one, uh, Skittles commercial on TV where they say solve it in the usual way and everybody's got Conan arms on the right side. That's what you'd look like pull starting that lawnmower. <laughs> Wimp on one side, Arnold on the right. Yeah, that's more like a tractor you got there. Uh, you, you need it. That's still not big enough. I really need something bigger for the yard. But I got that, got that going. And I've mowed twice, which is a record. Usually if I can make it, we, we're going to hit blossom time. Here in Michigan, that's where we have big celebrations and parades. They bless the blossoms, and uh, and it corresponds with the fruit trees starting to blossom. Yeah. Uh, and if I can get my lawn mowed once before that, I'm happy, and I've, I'm, I've already exceeded that. 
But the, the grass isn't growing, like you said. It's just not – you've got – and I think there's certain varieties that will grow no matter what, and those are green, but there's just a lot of brown spots. It, it's not warm enough to germinate. I, I put out in the last two days 600 pounds of dirt, filling in holes and stuff in my yard. I started reseeding a week and a half ago. Nothing, nada, because it's too freaking cold. Yeah. But enough, yeah, enough of, enough of the very local weather report. <laughs> and we've got a short news cycle, so we're going to rip right on through these. So let's head on into the news. All right. And uh, here's a scuba diver turned fisherman, and he had quite an experience here. Now I'm going to, since we've got a good amount in the chat room, I'd like to thank everybody who showed up. We have... Uh, uh, Vanessa, George, St. Louis, Sam, showing up in the chat room. The chat room, if you want to get in sometime, we try to record lives 9 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. Show is 73759. You can go to com. You'll get there. You go to the Scuba Obsessed website, which I'll talk about later, and you can click on over. Uh, so I paste those in the chat room, and they can follow along. Let me open it up in the browser. I remember Vanessa. She's the mermaid. You have a thing for mermaids. Yes, I do. <laughs> and some of my photos may have shelved. <laughs> I've still got an open invitation to actually do some photos for a friend. As uh, a mermaid? No, to take some of a mermaid in, in the water. Yeah. They want the water shot. I told them, name the time and place. You know, really, I should have put this one in the the section for uh, for you that so section four. That's all I hear. Not here. Are you there? Oh, I got you now. You started. Okay. Break up a little bit. Then, so we know if it breaks down the. Put the fisherman in the hospital. And look at that photo. That It should have been in the photo of the week. Do you see that? Yeah. It must be on his fingers because it sure looks like it. Well, it actually, what I it did uh, is uh, Dan Carlin, who was fishing with his wife, uh, Trish. She told him to smile for the camera as he held the yellowfish up on their 29-foot boat. The sea lion leapt seven feet from the water, locked onto his hand, holding the fish, and yanked him into the ocean. So him, the fish, and the sea lion go into the water. It pulls him about 20 feet under. After 15 seconds, he said, I thought I was going to die. I continued to struggle, but I thought, this is the way I'm going to die. It was unbelievable. Then quickly as it happened... Uh, he was released, swam to the surface. The lion then bit his foot, puncturing it to the bone. He managed to make his way back to the boat. He and his wife moved close to the land with his hand gushing blood and struggled to breathe because of the battered chest. At one point, he said he lost his vision. He spent two days in the hospital and the gash in his hand with 20 stitches. This incident happened on April 5th. He said he hopes his hand will have healed enough in the next week so he can go back and do some fishing. I'd watch where I posed with the fish next time. Yeah. 
Hey, this is another good reason why I would not feed barracuda, would not feed sharks, and more eels. I prefer having my hand intact. Yeah, I mean, look at that. I mean, it's just like this, it's like he's biting a cracker. Have you been to San Francisco? Yes, I have. Oh, you've, been on, you've been on the Fisherman's Wharf? No, I didn't get to do any sightseeing. I got to the airport. Uh, I got to, I, I was doing a project for Apple, so I drove up to Cupertino. Um, and then the other time I was in San Francisco, it was, I went up, the, I was just up the road from Apple at another uh, e-commerce site. So I didn't, I, I have seen things out the side of the uh, rental car, but I have not had, really had a chance to do any sightseeing. I want to go and visit. Yeah, last one of the times I've been there, the the aquatic life was overtaking all of the the, the piers and stuff where the catch would come in. I mean, the, the sea uh, seals and stuff. Oh, you mean they're just like up on the upright oh, yeah. on the all over the place. So when they bring fish on, you almost had to move the animals out of the way to get the catch in. And I can see this happening very rapidly. Yeah, it's uh, you can see the risk of uh, you know you you kind of blur the lines a little bit between friendly and accommodating, and you're eventually going to get incidents like this. Also, if, if you throw the had, if his hand hadn't been there, he'd have been fine. Yeah, yeah. If his hand if he hadn't bit the way he did, and he was biting that way because he wanted to fish. Right. He really didn't attack the guy, but I don't know why he bit him in the foot. You know, that doesn't make sense unless he was it's mad. It's unusual. I wonder if the fish got away. They didn't say. Well, after that bite, I don't think he went anywhere if he did. Wow. But, yeah, you're right. It's like if he got – because I don't think he was going for the guy's hand. He was going for the fish. Did you notice another side thing? If you look at the tail of the fish, it almost looks Photoshopped for that gull. looks like he's sitting on the back fin. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of does. He's, he's floating in the water there, but it kind of looks like he could be standing on it. But he is lucky to be alive. Certainly. Have you seen these, these sea lions or the, the porpoise or something like this? You swim with them while they grab you by the arm and take you down because they're having fun with you? Yeah, it's fun for them. Right, and, and you don't have dive gear on? Not, not really cool. Yeah. Yeah, St. Louis Sam is agreeing with us. He goes, the fact that it bit him on the foot of the odd. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't. And he, I bet he had a shoe on too. I bet he went barefoot. Well, might have had sandals. Yeah, he might have had sandals or something. But I'm thinking he was just pissed at that point. He's aggravated. Well, he's in the hospital. I I don't think sea lions would be my favorite animal no. anymore. Well, he he's ready to go back out fishing, but he didn't say what he was fishing with dynamite or. <laughs> I, I can see him just like on Jaws. I'll think of thirty odd sits with me. <laughs> I don't think I need a bigger boat in this case. 50 scuba divers clean up and remove 900 pounds of trash from Avala Beach, Hartford Pier. After rainy skies, 50 divers volunteered their time on Saturday, April 25th, to clean the bottom of the ocean between the Hartford Pier at Avila Beach. In total, about 900 pounds of trash was removed, pulled out of the water a month a month. Unusually rainy conditions. Organizers said it was actually less than last year's cleanup, likely due to more frequent cleanup dives. Yet, if you take the big pickings right away, it makes it a little tougher. Yeah. 
looking at the background, that was a very foggy, yucky-looking day. But Master Films, we can do that easily if we had a dumpster to put it in. Yeah. Oh, you have to have a little shore support and, you know, a little food yeah. wouldn't hurt. Shore support? Well, that's a, that's not hurt. That's a necessity. <laughs> i got to have food. Mac works for food. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we can do 900 pounds with no trouble. And yeah. I would keep the sledgehammers. Yeah, so here's what they're saying that they brought up. Uh, they recovered 12 tires, six sledgehammers, lots of fishing gear, and even an iPhone. Debris pulled out is now at the local harbor department where it can be analyzed, disposed of, analyzed. Uh, okay, what does it mean by analyzed? Now, are they going to go back after people who dumped it and charge them or taking photos or uh, just analyzed? It's kind of a curious choice of words. Yeah, it'll be a little hard for them to, like, say, figure out who it is and go back. Maybe could take the SIM card out and tell the person, oh, by the way, I found your card. <laughs> yeah, I found your camera. Here's the card. By the way, you owe us a $500 fine for dumping. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a side thing. I did learn something today talking about trash and the environment. Uh-huh. What the average price is for recovering a car in Lake Michigan, let's say you're out there off of the Milwaukee and because uh, you got a lot of ice out there this year, uh-huh. and you go them to the drink. What's the average cost of recovering that car? Do you know? Oh, let me see. I'm going to guess because if you lost it in Lake Michigan, it's not like you're going to be able to just drag it to the shore. Okay. So you're going to. And do you get it when the ice is still out, or do you wait till it thaws? Whichever way you can. Usually, as soon as it's possible. Okay, I'm going to guess ten thousand dollars. You'd be low, but do you know why? If you had a car, unless it was brand new, are you going to pay ten thousand dollars to get that car out? Well, not unless somebody makes me. Right, and you know who's going to make you? Well, the state is going to, and then your insurance EPA. company. EPA is going to make you do it. Insurance company doesn't care. Other than, I found out. I was talking to a gentleman, of course, drumming up a little work here, maybe, but uh, we were talking about that. He recovered twenty cars this winter. But he, his business goes from Grand Haven around the bottom and up to a little past Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And he, get, he got 20 cars this winter. He says they charge, they charge the insurance company for recoveries because of the environmental concerns of gasoline, oil, hydraulic fluid, brake fluid, automatic transmission fluid, and all of those have to be removed now. Therefore, the only way you can remove it is take the car out. That can run up to $30,000. Yeah, I mean, if you have to f- you figure his time, the gear, because what, what, what kind of a boat does he have? He has some, like, some, I'm imagining something pontoon barges. He has, you name it, he's got it, because this is something he does all the time. Because I was curious of the different techniques he used, how different than us. For example, last, uh, last week he just raised a 72-foot tug out of the Calumet River. Took him a day and a half. He's got the technique. He's got the equipment. He's got the know-how. But mm. I was, that's another story we could talk about some other time of what yeah. it costs to, to get stuff out and, you know, and all the fun they're having. But uh, I just thought that was interesting, talking about trash and the different kinds of trash and what it can cost to recover it. Yeah. And that when the guys, the divers go out and do this for free, for, for publicity and for the community, they're really getting a good deal out of it, having the people come in to do that. 
Oh, yeah, if you had to pay to take all that trash out? Well, you don't. That's out of sight, out of mind. That's part of the stuff that's in the book. It says, why do we allow that? It's back in the old days, you know, the solution to pollution is dilution. Put yep. it in the water. You can't see it, you put it in the water. Uh, and that's why the hunting took it for us. Yeah. Well, I, I, we'll look at, was it New York? I mean, they have an island of trash. And that just started with them just hauling it out. And backfill, Boston's built on backfill. Yeah. Uh, like to see more of it, like to be more engaged in it ourselves. We haven't had an ecology dive for a long time because you got to have support. And right now, nobody has the money unless it's the government. In this next article, it's out of the UK, and I'm not even sure what it means, but Trafalgar Square sparked scuba school proposal. Uh, a couple has proposed scuba tanks, which are 52 meters deep to match the height of the Nielsen column and the proposal the school will be located under the two foundations designed by Sir Edwin Letyens in 1939. The RIW and AJ going underground competition is inviting imaginative designs to the new subterranean concept beneath the UK landmark. That's Admiral Nelson's column, isn't it? Well, yeah, but I, I guess I don't have enough knowledge of the the location to even understand what they're talking about. So is this is that some landmark? I mean, I, I yes, yes, it's a famous landmark. Okay, now now I, I went to the, I was on the mobile website. I went to the regular one. Oh, it's an interesting photo there. Don't you think? Uh, huh? You, you, yeah. take, take take the M away from the URL in that link and then hit refresh and it'll bring you to the full web page. So you can see it. Yeah, it's, it's a little tiny thing. Don't forget you're talking to a computer idiot on this side. Do a what, to where, to which. Well, if you look at the the URL, it was, it was M dot. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Just uh-huh. clear the M out. Just put www in front of it. Okay. Stand by. And while you're doing that, we'll welcome Jim onto the call. How you doing today, Jim? Oh, sorry I'm late, but I'm doing well, thank you. We figured that you were getting all prepped for that Gilboa dive this weekend. That's exactly what I was doing, was loading my tanks and my dive gear into the dive bus. Nice. And who do you got going with you on the road? Uh, Bob's going to meet me at my house, and then Dan's going to meet us down at Gilboa. And Rusty's coming from Maryland, and he's going to meet us at Gobella. Oh, awesome. So there'll be four of us in the bus. Is that the short bus? <laughs> uh, it's pretty long when you're driving it. <laughs> we belong in the short bus, but... It's, it probably feels even longer when you're filling the tank. I topped it off today, so we'll start full, and then when I get back, we'll top it off again and... See how bad the mileage was. It's not too bad. I think I get about eight gallons to the mile. Yeah. The nice thing about uh, driving and something like that is everybody's all in the same cab. You can chat. You got your restaurant and facilities all right there with you as you're driving. Yeah, we don't have to stop for a pit stop. Yeah. Just open the window, vent it out as you go. Well, just, you know, hope you're not the vehicle behind us. <laughs> 
Now, now, Matt, looking at that photo, do you see that now that it's on a bigger screen? Yeah. I don't think I quite understand it. Well, it looks like she's... It looks like a big sheet they put down and superimpose some stuff on it. Yeah, so you've got the landmark, which is that Nelson's Tower. And what they're proposing is putting a tank on either side of it for scuba diving. So the one on the left is you've got the the tank that goes down and where they're showing it going 35, 40 meters. And then they have a tunnel that runs from that tank to a tank on the other side that goes down even deeper. And then there's people observing. I think that's pretty cool. I would, that would be something I would love to build around here. But how long is it going to be there? Yeah. Well, 52 meters deep. That's what I'm saying. You're talking 150 foot deep. So you're not going to be spending a lot of time at the bottom so people can see you. No. And I don't think they're really going to put sharks in it like the pictorial shows. They could. They got. They show it as a little reef. I don't think they're going to get the money for it, honestly. Unless it's just a conceptual aspect, and that's what they're bidding, not bidding for, but having the uh, contest for. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's uh, just conceptual at this point. But yeah, see, I didn't understand half the words they were saying. I didn't didn't make sense. Interesting to see it. Yep. So the closing date for the entries is May eighth, twenty fifteen. Well, there's still time for you to get out and do something. Yeah. If you're over there in the UK. And here's somebody who said that scuba diving blew their mind. And I'm so bad with celebrities, I have no idea who any of them are. Stand-up comedian Zoe Lyons is saying that scuba diving helps her to learn to relax. 18 months ago, the uh, it's a guy. Zoe's a guy? Okay. Uh, wife and I learned to scuba dive. We were on holiday on an island off the coast of Honduras. After competing a th- completing a three-day course, they took the first dive on the Caribbean waters. Uh, he said it was a life-changing experience for both of him and his wife. It was such an incredible abundance of life and color, it blew my mind. Sort of the person who finds it hard to relax, I found that while I'm underwater, I'm completely in the moment. Diving is about being in the now. I did not understand the first sentence or the first section to that about life-changing. Since you have it there, you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> At the risk of sounding blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it says at the risk of sounding a bit of a dick. I think it's just because... You know, th- these people are on, uh, they're always being interviewed, so they, they always try to do something to make it memorable. So I think he just thought he, he'd be considered insincere. But uh-huh. Those of us who have gone diving knows that that's not dickish, that's true. It is very relaxing and calming. That is where I'm the most calm. In fact, uh, my health plan should be, require that I go diving at least twice a week. <laughs> right now, you need to get out at least once a month. <laughs> oh, 
I don't. I don't even know when I can. Uh, we'll get to that in a later section. A Little Mermaid says, "Oh, that's from the song from The Little Mermaid." Yeah, trying to be cute, but cool. So Zoe Lyons, scuba diving blew my mind, and I have no idea who he is. Well, you know, maybe that's maybe it's one of those modern relationships. I suppose. Yeah. I didn't know the Little Mermaid said that though. I thought they would. Little Mermaid say. We're not going to go there, but that could be quite interesting. What she meant. I I want to say that was, but yeah. Now that you mention it, it could be taken a different a different way. Who knows what the mermaid was up to? Yes, we can get into a different topic on this. We go downhill real quick on that one. Oh, it doesn't take us. We we're, we're downhill right to begin with. So, well, anybody who's probably you probably put a cue where this is, and if they're looking at the bottom line, they'll know what we're talking about. Yeah. Shipwreck reveals precious few of its mysteries. This is in Salisbury. Archaeologists uh, were looking at a new shipwreck. Low tide on Thursday, April 23rd, gave State Board of Underwater Archaeology Resource Director and Chief Archaeologist Victor Maston a chance to get up and close the life-size artifacts that were once part of an old wooden ship they discovered on uh, Salisbury Beach in the evening of April 21st, but at, but by the time the Mastone visited the afternoon of April 22nd, high tide had hidden remains under feet of water, giving him the only only the daily news photos to be able to examine. On Thursday, it all changed for hours with the help of local boat builder Graham McKay and Ben Loveless. He got a chance to handle the factors a lot that could lead to knowing the origins of the shipwreck. Although there are smaller segments of the wreck watched up on the beach, the two biggest are part of the side of a hull. Their curving planks indicate they're from the stern or most likely a schooner that sailed the local waters perhaps in the 19th century. Schooners he refers to as the tractor trailers of the cargo ships in the 19th century. They picked up and delivered goods, he said, like lumber and general merchandise throughout the region. Two large artifacts now broken apart would fit together like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle if put back together. Once reassembled, they would be about 65 feet long. Educated guests, he said that could once have stretched about half the side of a ship. The planking, the outer skin, is made of oak. Upon inspection, visible indicators led him to speculate it could have been constructed originally post-Civil War era shipbuilding, 1865 to 1875. He said there's a chain plate on the side section. Chain plate was there for rigging, may have been attached. Where would where would a chain plate be in a boat? I'm not familiar with that. Uh, um, chain plate. Right. Um, basically, a dead eye is attached to a chain plate. Okay. Or another place you'll have them is on the bow where your rigging uh, attaches for the bow sprit. Uh huh. But okay. actually, the like on Maxwick, where we have the straps, yep. the dead eyes, looking up, I don't think I've ever seen those references, chain plate. Well, that's what I was wondering, is what if chain plate was something unique 
or maybe it was something that referred to a certain time. Plus, we're talking fresh water versus salt water. I didn't know if maybe the different types of vessels. I, I think that strapping is being referred to as chain plates. Okay. Is that what it's called on the French Goodwill? Do you know? Yeah. Okay. The only item I thought was odd is the relatively pristine nature of the hull. Excuse me? <laughs> a couple boards cracked in there. would wash up on the beach and you're telling me the pristine nature of the hull. Well, it's salt water and the wood is still there. Is that called pristine? Yeah, because I that, understand that's that. That's the big difference between the Great Lakes and saltwater wrecks. Yeah, so it's, it, do you, now do you believe his dating? Because that, that would be like unheard of, wouldn't it, for. Well, if it's buried in the sand, it would, it would if, be. If it was, well, there, as you said, there's no barnacles on it, very few barnacles on it. And it evidently was buried in the sand, which would protect it if it was well buried. Yeah, so interesting. We'll see if they find anything more about her, if it's if they found all the pieces <coughs> they're going to find. Looks like a picture that we see uh, in, what, our papers two weeks ago? Yeah, it does. Of the right a little bit off the shoreline? Mm-hmm. It could be that. Looks like the piece that washes up or that it gets uncovered at the uh, North Pier every few years. Yeah. Yeah. I think what they do is that news media has that in the back of a pickup and they just drop it down on slow news days so they have something to talk about. I can believe divers would do that, but I don't know about news That's too much effort for them. It is too much effort. But you look at that photo and it's like the same one that we've seen over and over and over. The same yeah. you know, three boards of a hull. Now, how how is this for a wreck to go diving on? Mr. Tate? Yes. So and divers are diving on the Lusitania. 13,550 tons is, is how big this ship was. That record speed's located almost twi- 12, 12 miles off old head of Kins- Kinsale. 94 meters of water. So for us, that's a, over 200 feet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. you're pretty... You're not going to be down there too long to do anything. No, you're going to spend most of your time in deco. Yeah, 94 These meters. Yeah, they, yeah, they said the, the divers visiting are using mixed gas and have huge decompression penalties. For 25 minutes on the bottom, the diver will incur a penalty of almost three hours of decompression time. And, and that's why you want to have electric-powered heating in your dry suit. Yeah, when that, you're standing on the line for deco, you're not going to freeze your ass. Yeah. We, we talked about Bob's new toy last week. Uh, said, diving the wreck over the last 10-year period has showed me one Inescapable fact, the wreck is constantly corroding and collapsing further and is suffering a lot of damage from fishing nets. I have seen artifacts in the, rock, the wreck during one trip and the following season 
completely destroyed by a combination of collapse and fishing net damage. So he's encouraging that he wants to see anything of any interest brought up and preserved and displayed. Right, because Mother Nature is going to take care of that one for you. Yeah, you can you can say leave everything down there, don't touch, you know, take pictures, leave bubbles, but Mother Nature isn't so generous. Oh, take a look at the Andrew Doria. Andrew Doria is a lot uh, shallower. Yeah. Yeah. And look what's happened to her. Yeah, no, and she was more recent. Well, yeah, man, the it was dove the day after it sank. The first dive on the Andrew Doria. How would that have been? Oh, that would have been awesome because you look at what they've done. You know, even now, you go there and it's got nets all over the stuff, all over the place. Uh, it's rotting and, and, you know, just like everything else, it's corroding and falling together. And, and you know, it collapses inward. Uh-huh. Can't do the penetration that you could do 25 years ago. No. And the Lusitania, well, you figure she's been down there since World War One. 1915. So that's a hundred years. Hundred years. Yeah. It's a century now. Yeah. So that's not uh, that's not your casual dive. I mean, that, you know, they say the inner door is the Mount Everest. What does that make this one? Yeah. Did you realize the Lusitania had four props on her? No, I'm, I would. I didn't realize that four props. The stern it looks really weird. You've got two all the way aft, and then. Almost like you got a quarter panel up ahead of the the first two. Well, you get the synchronization off on that, or a little bit of shimmer in the shaft. Uh huh. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Well, she was known for being fast, so that was must have been why they spent all that effort. Yeah. I'm just surprised we don't see any pictures. Yeah, they only had the one picture of him, which could be any photo. He's on an looks like an anchor line. Or a buoy line, dive line going down to the right. Picture right now, the Cunard ship at the dock back in the day. That is a freaking awesome shot. I'd love to have this picture. There's a three-mast schooner off to the right. Uh, side wheelers on the left. I have got to save this picture and send it to you. Okay. Did you see, where oh, where'd you get this one, Mac? I, I don't know. I, I You know how I bump around. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> yeah. On, that, on the Lusitania article... If you click on that image, there's actually 10 photos there. Got a little slideshow. I, I sent it on Skype. See if it came out to you guys. That's worth showing somebody. Yep. Did you get it? Yeah, I got the link. See, open it up and see if that's what the picture is. That is worth sharing. This is a really nice Oh, yes. oh wow. Oh, is, man. Here, here you yeah, go, chat room. If you're not in the chat room, you're going to miss out on this one. That is uh, a beautiful shot, both of the ship and the dock and the day. Can you that, imagine being able to dive out those piers out there, what we might find? Oh. Everything's still there. Nobody really gave a crap, but it's probably still got three inches of visibility. <laughs> I need some long probes, but, man, I'd get yeah. out there in a heartbeat. Yeah, so this was uh, Lusitania at New- in New York City on September 1907. Well, how many stacks did she have? Four. Four. Because you got four props, you probably got four boilers. Yeah. And then everything. And then you still got. I love photos from this era, where you've got these big modern steamships, and then you still have sailing ships. 
Yeah. Yeah, look at this. Back. You've got, as, as Max said, starting from the left, you've got a side wheeler. You've got a. You had a tug. A ferry. Well, the tug. Yeah, the side wheeler. You got the ferry coming into the dock. Yeah. You got the big four masted steamer, and then you've got the three. Ma- I'm sorry, four funnel steamer and the three masted schooner off to the side. Yeah, and you also see they're loading a barge. And you look at all the cars and the horse drawn. It, that is a cool, cool picture. Yeah, cause, yeah, because you got horse, horse drawn carriages and some uh, got to be Model Ts, Model As. What was the date? 1907. Phew. Got it. The other item is you look at that ship. That looks like a knife blade in the front. Mm-hmm. That sharp. Wow, that is a moment in history. Yeah, a nice picture. See, we can get excited about other items in the government. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is a good time because all those politicians are dead. It's a good thing for... Uh, we won't go there. <laughs> hey, Max, don't say, don't say that there's, there's more photos in this. Class. Oh, no, I just, I just like that when I saw a whole bunch of them. But I, I see what you meant about the other photos they had here. Mm-hmm. Some of those are really, really nice. Yeah, just some stuff that they've already taken off the Lusitania. Yeah, the shells. Now, how can they take stuff off? I mean, we talked about this last week with the, the war wrecks. and. It's a civilian ship. It's not a military wreck. Okay. It's not a, war, nah, a trophy wreck. Okay. Yeah, he's got some rounds there that he had, they referred to in the article. Mm, kind of cool. The Lusitania coming up on 100 years. And then here we have a reef project. The James Fran... Sescani Reef Project. And this is off of North Carolina, where the World War II left many wrecks. James Francescani started working at the new North Carolina Division of Marine Fisheries in 1987. In 2000, he became the Reef Program co- Coordinator, where he served for 14 years before losing his battle leukemia on July 18th. 2014. This reef project will memorialize and honor his contributions to the reef program, including his efforts that resulted in hundreds of improvements of the reef in North Carolina, spanning northern outer banks to Long Bay, including the creation of a new river reef off the coast of Jacksonville on Camp. Well, I can't even say what that name is. But they go and they give a bunch of locations. So, what are they really trying to create a preserve? calling it a reef project? I'm not sure. They really don't get to the point of what they're trying to do. For more information about the North Carolina Reef Program, contact Greg Bonaire, interim North Carolina Reef Coordinator. You can go to well, the vision here just said the, re, the REC re, uh, project will memorialize and honor contributions to the REEF program. I mean, they're already down there, so you're not 
Yeah, they're artificials out, artificial reefs. So what they're almost doing is they're saying the reefs that they've already that they spent times on, they're just trying to recognize him. Yeah, for items that he's done for them. Yeah, and other links they had in there just go to a dive center that's there in North Carolina. Yeah, which does have a cool photo of a submarine. Where, which is, where is the photo of the sub? Uh, go to olympusdiving.com. Oh, I thought, not on the same page that we were at, right? No, here, I'll send it to you in Skype. See. And then, uh, here's the last one. It's, it's Really not an article. This one is from uh, JITCA, and it looks like they may have discovered the Alice E. Wilds, a lumber steam barge that was sunk in 1892 after colliding with a steamer Douglas off Milwaukee. We have embarked on a search for this spring, and after careful research with the help of marine historian Brendan Ballard and side-scanning efforts on the lake, we found a target that appears to be the Alice Wilds. Future dives will confirm this target. Sits in the bottom upright in deep water from the sonar images to be quite intact, including a large sonar image for now. Stay tuned for future updates. So this is uh, Jitco with Dave Sutton and uh, Brendan Ballard. You got Ballard in there. You got money and you've got equipment. Get from Ballard. Not Robert Ballard. Brendan. I don't know if the. I mean, I know Robert Ballard's a different Ballard, but. Uh, yeah, she put. I don't know. Back, did you see the post on Facebook that she did? No. Nice see, photos. Yeah. Let me see if I can get it to you. I don't know. Facebook is crazy like that. In the old days, you used to be able to give links to stuff, and now you can't. But she's got. I mean, it's. This is like the side scan dream. I mean, you could take, you know, somebody who's half blind and show them that side scan, and they'll tell you it's a shipwreck. You got the money, you can produce that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, of course, now I can't even find it. I'll share it with you when, uh, later on. But it was, it was a beautiful side scan photo. And I like how they announced it early. You know, sometimes everybody wants to wait for quite a while. Oh, are you talking about the Olympus now? No. I just clicked on your uh, olympusdiving.com. Oh, Olympus Diving. That was the one where I, I think that link, that was the uh, submarine. Okay, that's what I was going to say. That's a nice shot of the sub. Yeah, that's beautiful. I had just seen that recently, and I'm trying to figure out why I remember seeing the same one. Uh, we talked it's about it last week or the year before. Week before. What's that? So you certainly can't get trapped inside of it. No, <laughs> you can swim out just about anywhere. Just about anywhere you want. But uh, congratulations, Chicka and team, for finding that one. Yeah. And what what's her vessel? Uh, Jim, do you remember? Oh. Mo- Molly V? Yes. Molly V. So you can do a search. She does tours 
throughout Wisconsin, Illinois, uh, the Great Lakes. And she's been known to do some cave diving. So if you're in Florida, you, you may have bumped into her a time or two. And then how's this for uh, some potentially cool scuba gear or scuba-related gear? I don't know how popular or practical it is. But what they're doing is they're saying this may be the end of sunburns. Researchers at Queens have developed a strip of plastic covered with smart ink, which turns colorless from initial blue color just before exposing to too much ultraviolet light from the sun, prompting you to cover up before you burn. The strip is worn as a bracelet, changes color to speed that depends on the wearer's skin type. Technology was developed uh, by researchers at Queen's University School of Chemistry and Chemical Engineering, uh, who's been awarded 85,000 pounds to develop and research into a viable commercial product. Based on a metal oxide photocatalyst, simple inexpensive sunburn indicator should be worn by people and they are receiving too much of the UV component of sunlight prompting them to seek shade. See, I would like something like that where I could wear that plus put on sunscreen. Because there's times where you just don't, you have no idea how the sun is. Now, there's days where you could be outside all day and nothing. And there's other days where an hour will turn you to a crispy. Well, if I was a guy in a white shirt, I'd be more than happy to uh, put the material on my hand and help out the two individuals behind them. Yeah, I, I don't think they had a, any shortage of volunteers. I'm just saying, I'm being helpful, Harry, up there. Yeah, is, is is that like a new pickup line? I noticed that your plastic is turning color. I'm um, sure that that would soon be one. Okay, well, that does it for Scuba in the News. Um, and we did have some feedback from a, a listener. Let me see if I can find that one. Oh, it said, I wanted to take a minute and congratulate you on doing such a great job with the podcast. I live in Washington State and spend my days diving and listening to your podcast. I find it informative, interesting, and very entertaining. I'm a mud diver who spends my dive time near Tacoma and Seattle digging up bottles for stuff in the cold, dark, laden waters of the Puget Sound. I lived, I lived in your area. I'd be out in those rivers with you guys grubbing for bottles. Please keep the stories about finding Hutchinson's coming. I've attached a few pictures of some of my treasures I recently found. Safe diving, great job in the podcast. Love the show. I recently completed a deco procedure with John Chatterton out in Florida. I'll be going deeper and longer to find those hutches. And that's uh, Scott from uh, Salmon, Washington. Sounds like a grubber to me. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah, come on over. Well, you know, if you ever find your way in the, the Great Lakes, you know, spring, summer, winter, fall, we've got diving going on. We can get you in the water. Uh, so. We can introduce you to some alligator snappers or something like that. <laughs> yeah, something. You know, you say that, I don't think I've ever seen, I mean, I've seen an alligator snapper, but not underwater, which is probably why I still dive. Remember, remember the one I got last year, and then I put uh, put Faulkner's name on the top of the shell yeah. <laughs> and released it again? Yeah. Well, he it, he freaks out on turtles, doesn't he? What you need to do with that one is you need to have it, like, swallow a clock, and it'd be like uh, from Peter Pan. 
Oh, that, you could hear the ticking coming for him. That or I could have just glued one to the top. <laughs> Why do we like to torture people? I don't know what that is. Well, we don't have to torture people. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So let me guess. You got some diving in this week, didn't you, Mac? Well, yeah. <laughs> didn't everybody? It didn't everybody. Well, here, let me confess I did not. And I'm looking, and I still have like three weeks yet before I'm going to be able to get in. I'm I'm at least healthy now. No goo draining out of my body to where I I wouldn't be able to equalize. Yeah, you you don't sound like you did two weeks ago for sure. No, no, I've I'm, I've just in the last couple of days have stopped coughing constantly. You sound like you're going to live now. Yeah, yeah, it's a I turned the corner. I've got at least another six weeks. They tell me. So where did you get to go and uh, get in the water? I would buy my old standby since I couldn't find anywhere to go diving with. I have to you went go to places it? that are somewhat safe and sane, so at least you can find my body. <laughs> <laughs> so I may try. I snapped it to my, my BC so you can at least find the flag and recover my gear. But, Papa, I went over by, uh, can you think of where I went now? It's out there past the golf course. Okay. Now, before you get to Douglas Bay, so I hit a different area that I hadn't hit before. Or hit, I haven't hit with any um, frequency. So I was looking for some stuff. It was fun. I did take a nice picture that, uh, of a fish maybe two and a half foot long. It's got a big hole in the side. The fish had a hole in the side? So that uh, means it, another lamprey? Well, I, that's what I was trying to determine. It didn't have the same rasp marks. And it's too early to have been hit by a prop. It looked like a big pike. Huh. But I don't know what it was, but I did take a picture I was going to look at a little later. And then I was obviously looking for lamprey when I was out there just to see if I could dig up something like that or spook one out. The visibility wasn't really bad, but it was like, uh, I think it was 38 degrees when I got air temperature. By the time I got out, it was 42 uh, water temperature didn't feel bad. Must have been about 44, 45. Okay. I mean, and it's wet, dude. I didn't go dry. I went wet. Uh, I was comfortable for a dive. Visibility, oh, six, seven feet. But out there, you've got some sediment that's quite deep. Some places, it's you put your hand through and hit clay under six inches of muck. Uh-huh. So wherever you went, your fin just kicked it up. So I elevated the fin and just walked on my hands, got down that. But you'd stir something up or you'd spook it. So you'd, it'd be clear and then poof in front of you, and that wasn't you. So something got spooked and went. Hmm. So I assume it was a carp or a big, big yeah. cat, something like that. Yeah, everything's probably getting out now. By this time, everything's moving. Yeah. Yeah, uh, in the chat room, they're asking, do you keep a dive logbook with the details of the dive? And uh, <laughs> I, I go through, four, you know, a couple of years ago, I kept one, well, and I wound up, what, four books in two years? Yeah. Just so I could have one that's current and it's like, duh. So yeah, sort of yes, sort of no. I usually post it on the club site when we're doing yeah. dive under activities. So I can go back and I can usually figure out which ones I was on or did or whatever. Yeah. And, and if I, if I, as if I, rah, 
<laughs> as I have said, this podcast is my dive log with stutters and all. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm bad about it. I've, I would like to. I just. Well, I used to usually put them on the club site, but I don't do a lot of that anymore because it's always like Mac goes diving. <laughs> I got to get you guys to start putting pictures there, damn it. I I'll take pictures this. this weekend. Yeah, we want some pictures from. We'll, we'll get photos this weekend. Well, we just need one good one for each day. So we can say this is the dive day and this is who is there. So I know you guys got pictures and I know Bob's computer literate. So yeah, I'm trying to get Kurt or uh, Richard when he goes on the SAS dives. Yeah. And he goes every freaking way. Send me a picture and tell me where you went so we can put it this fresh mud. And then uh, a lot of the guys are starting to do the uh, H2O, add water. Yeah. Wednesdays, and then they got the other group. Um, help me out there with that third group we got going now. I don't know what group you're talking about. Oh, again, it's yeah, H2O, SAS. Who else would there be? Oh, it's the one to our left, down to the bottom left. Heart City? Yeah, Heart City. Okay. Yeah, I've got invited to a couple of theirs, and they're doing a Wednesday night. Well, like, I think we ought to do a Thirsty Thursday dive. That way, since everybody else is diving on Wednesdays, we'll do a Thirsty Thursdays. Well, actually, SAS does Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but it's, it's a clicky group. Once you know the click, you can get on them, and if you want to go diving, you can, because I think uh, Lake Sixteen's on the menu for Sunday. And that's definitely wet. that's certainly a dry suit one there, because you know how that is. That's a dry suit in August. <laughs> Cold and dark. That's a dry suit in the summer. Yeah, that that's a that's that's it, it's a good one. That's a good, nice training location. Yeah, I I, I need to get out there. But uh, you figure most of our dives we're doing we're doing grubbing, which is twenty feet or less. So there's no deco, no time, and the only exception, of course, is when we do wreck dives, like when we're up north. Now, when we're down 150 foot, it's nice to remember how much time you spent on the bottom, how much deco for your repetitive dive. But fortunately, Jim has a computer, Bob has a computer, Rick has a computer, so I'll use you guys. I just, We're your computer. You're doing the thing that all the agencies say don't do. But yeah, we know. I use the freaking tables, I use a watch, and I am conservative. I, what do you need a computer for? Well, you really don't, but it does make it a lot easier. And I like it for logging. I mean, honestly, that's been the biggest, the best value. Yeah, and then it does give you safety if you've got your tables. I, I think you should always plan on. Well, you should plan your dive, and know by the tables what you're supposed to do, and then the computer just validates it. Well, I mean, I do, I do have one, and I do use it as strictly as a backup. But I never depend upon it. And even when I'm using nitrox, I set it for the air table. Yeah, that makes it more conservative, and I'll come up with more air. But I'm not going to come up with any nitrogen. Yeah, where where it is nice is when we're doing those multi dives out in the lake. It will give you a little bit better time, you know, because it's it knows exactly at what levels you were at. Well, it's like on, when we're on, on Max Rec. I mean, it's only 75 feet, but if you go spend like some people who have 100 or 120, you spend an hour on that. You're in the deco if you're not careful. I've been 40 in the deco. minutes. Yeah, I've been in the deco. 42 on. minutes, okay? That's that's all I spend on it is 42 minutes. 
I was going to say, like Bob and his, his rebreather now. <laughs> I can remember being down on, on Max Rack, and I'm swimming around, and I start hearing beep, 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 beep. And I'm like, what the heck is that noise? And it was me going in the deco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know. But, if you're swimming around, you should be on the down line coming up. Or yeah, well, as on my way up, I I got out of the table. The table, I, I wasn't in, in a deco obligation by the time I got to my safety stop. But it, uh, at first it said, yeah, you're uh, in that deco range now. Well, I'd be coming up on mine off in like the, what was that big one we dove a couple of years ago, Jim? The, uh, was that the stalker? When, what, remember when the other guys didn't want to go down, we went down anyway? Yeah. And, we, and then we had the tag line from the anchor line off to the wreck. Which one mm-hmm. was that? That was a nice wreck. Bowsbury and all. That was a nice wreck. Like, uh, I came up, I'm conservative, have plenty of air, got my bail out. And you look at my, my gauge, though, my uh, computer, and it says I'm borderline deco the whole way up. And there's no way in hell. So that's what I meant by, it. you know, I'm conservative. Besides, those things crash, what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to wish you had planned it out the way, you know, with your, with your watch and with your air consumption. Yep. Oh, by the way, Jim, you saw uh, Kevin Stanks on the, on the bottom there at the shop. You just got him back from Hydro? Yeah. Those suckers are heavy. Yes, they are. They're low pressure. They're 2,400 tanks. Oh, they're 2,400s? There's yeah. No well, You're going to make double that. Tanks, so they're, they're 2,400 plus 10. Hmm. Yeah, they're 112s. Uh, yeah, 113s at 2,400. That's, yeah, that's, that's not too bad, though. <laughs> if, if I was going to pick up a compressor, that would be perfect. <laughs> they are heavy. Oh man! As well, you, you said. Well, you think and, about and they're very and they're buoyant. Oh, are they? When they're when they're empty, they're very buoyant. I had to get those tanks almost full. Now, when you're setting up a uh, a set of doubles like that, does it make sense to put some weights on or the tank? Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want them to be completely negative because you want to have ditchable weights, but it seems like you would want to counter the the double set a little bit to, so you didn't have to add so much weight in other spots. Yeah, the, the problem with those is they go from negative to positive. Oh, so when you're when they're full, they're, they're negative, and when they're empty, they're positive. When they're full, positive. they're negative. When they're empty, they're positive. Uh, Just like the old aluminums. Yep. And I mean, they're they're, big time. It was interesting when I I had just put new valves, well, I had rebuilt the valves and put rebuilt valves in there for him. So as I was filling those tanks, I was double-checking the valves, so I decided I would fill them lying down in the water in the tank. So I laid them in the the test tank, hooked the hoses up to them, started filling it, and it had to be almost completely full before it totally submerged. Okay. Now, they're pretty healthy and they're pretty round, so I yeah, know he's a lot. 
and he had uh, originally when I saw the setup, there were doubles. But only way I dive that is off a freaking boat with a winch. I would not want to dive them as doubles. No. Not personally, no. Actually, I'm trying to get another set of one. I'm trying to pick up two more individual 120 steels. High pressure? High pressure steel tanks. Yeah. Uh, I've got a guy who's offered them to me, and I'm negotiating with him to get those. Uh, yeah, I think that would make I don't a nice want them set of for myself. I don't want them for myself, but I'll bring them back and, and sell them. I'm sure there are people who would be interested in them. Yeah. You know, I've, I've got my 100s as doubles, and that's plenty for me. I'm still trying to find some old 72s that I can double up. We need to do the uh, Jacques Cousteau triples. <laughs> yeah, I had a set of those at one point in the case. Really? Yeah. Never dove them, but they were they were accessible to me, and I, somebody grabbed them before I did. They disappeared. Well, you've seen the new boat that he has, right? Kevin's? Yeah. I haven't yet. Yeah, he got a new Boston Whaler. No, I haven't it's seen on it. Facebook. It's on Facebook. Oh, when you say you got it, how recently did he get this? Well, like you said, new day to break in, new to me, toy. Boston Whaler, grade 15. Hmm. Yeah, Boston Whalers, uh, I've always thought, would be a nice dive boat. You have oh, the center console, and you can get all the way around. And yep, that's the picture is very nice. Looks nice. I have a bid in on a Boston Whaler right now, twenty-seven footer. This looks like an inboard too. Because mm. I don't see something hanging off the back. On Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. See, he's putting the rest of us to shame. We say we're obsessed. I mean, he's, like, obsessed and dedicated. Well, he's actually getting out there looking for those shallow wrecks. Yeah. And he didn't stop during the winter. He was doing a lot of research because Sarah does a, a real good job in looking down and looking up stuff. Well, yeah. Well, that's handy. His uh, girlfriend is interested in it as well. Yes. Now, she's going to get certified, isn't she? Yeah, she was taking classes. I, I'm not sure the status mm-hmm. this time. Wow, that is a sweet boat. Yeah, nice, huh? Yeah. Now, we'll have to this see what kind of mileage that gets. That might be your mowing the lawn boat, Mac. That might be the mowing the lawn boat. Uh, he's going to be doing a lot of work. Uh, he likes to do the rivers and stuff, looking for those shallows. Uh, so that's going to be ideal for him. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's very mechanically handy, so he's going to... I know I know. I'll listen to him talking with you, Jim, on doing some boat stuff. He's not shy about getting his hands dirty in that. No. Oh, great. Uh, now, did you get any diving in, Jim, or just prepping for this next week? Uh, no, I did not get wet since the uh, recovery dive, research dive. So I'll be getting my wet in this weekend. Now, this is at Gilboa. It's the... It's like an annual get-together? They have one in the spring and one in the fall. It's the Great Lakes Wrecking Crew. 
which started out on uh, oh the chat board. Oh, uh, scuba board. Scuba board, yeah. Started on scuba board, and it was kind of a virtual dive club, and they had a meet and greet at Gilboa, and since then it's been almost a, a spring, spring and fall. They haven't twice a year. You know, spring is the uh, come dust off your gear, try out your new stuff and, you know, get ready for the summer dive. A lot of practicing, a lot of configuration changes and people trying out new gear that they got over the winter, reconfigure everything. And then they get together again in the fall for, uh, you know, one last party before the water gets hard. Yep. And Saturday is an all-day food fest. Um, it's just, uh, you know, everybody brings food to share and we set up the picnic tables around the campsite and it's, it's just a, a blast. And then sitting around the campfire Saturday night is the highlight of the weekend. Well, hopefully you got some nice weather and everything goes well. Yeah, this actually should be a good weekend. It's talking 70 on Saturday, oh, nice. at least around here, so it might even be a little warmer down there and inland away from the shore a bit. So, Very nice. Looks like fun. Okay, let's plug. Uh, Not I at this particular point. Well, I... Gilboa this weekend. Yeah, got the Gilboa going on. Uh, I am in process of getting the new site up. I've been fighting. (laughs) I'm I'm going to be changing hosts, so we'll be getting a little bit better internet performance. I wasn't happy with my current provider and this last week has just kind of proved it, so I have a new provider all lined up, so I'll be moving stuff over. So hopefully very soon we'll have the new site up and going, and I know everybody's been hearing that for quite a while. But I've been bringing a lot of sites live, you know, work, 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 jobs, the paying type. So now hopefully I'll be able to get to it. I, now I'm to a point where I almost need like a rainy day because if it's too nice, i got to go and do other things. But this weekend I won't be able to get a dive in. Uh, daughter's got tennis matches and it's the Blossom Time Festival. So, what does no, that? Mean? Pardon me. <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? When you got kids, that means the school's got stuff for them to do and you got to support them. So, Blossom Time Parade. Yeah, Blossom Time Parade. So, you do not want to be trying to go through the St. Joe Pier Basin anytime. Uh, on Saturday, between 10 a.m. and probably 3 p.m. And I've already got the signs up saying no parking, no parking, no parking, a lot of different places. Yeah, yeah, they'll take all of St. Joe will be pretty much the staging for the parade. And it, how the parade route goes, it starts in St. Joe, goes across the drawbridge, and ends in uh, Benton Harbor, uh, past, just past downtown. So it's a long parade. It's a nice parade. I feel like parades. 
I volunteered for it for probably about 15 years total. So I appreciate that. I do not personally have to be in it, even though I was last year, uh, but I have to help the band. So that takes up some time as well. If you want to follow us, we've got www.scubaobsessed.com, facebook.com forward slash scubaobsessed, also on Twitter at scubaobsessed. Uh, Mud Club site is mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. And if you want to send us feedback, you like the show, it's the show at scubaobsessed.com. And you can also leave us five star reviews on iTunes. We love those. It helps us get more listeners. Please stay. If you'd like subscribed. to tell us what else you'd like us to talk about or yeah. do or not do, that would be nice. Get some feedback. Of, do we need to change something or add something or take something yeah. away? Yeah, with a new website, it's it's going to be everything we had before and then some. So it's going to be nice. I've I've been doing a lot of websites for companies, and I get to get to use some of the the new tricks I know. So we are getting to that time of the show. All right. So this one was sent by uh, Rod again, and this one's a bad, bad, bad joke. Not bad, good, bad, but it's pretty bad, I think. Bad. Okay. Bring this up to where I can actually read it. So you guys ready now? I'm always ready for the joke. Okay. Here we go. After being out diving all day, Brent noticed an old man sitting alone on the side of the bar, which is where all dives end up. He was sobbing into his drink and crying his eyes out. Brent stopped and asked him what was wrong. I have a 22-year-old wife at home. She rubs my back every morning, gets up, makes me pancakes, sausage, fresh fruit, and freshly ground coffee. Well, then why are you crying? He adds, well, she makes me homemade soup for lunch and my favorite biscuits, cleans the house, and watches sports TV with me for the rest of the afternoon. Well, well, why are you crying? For dinner, she makes me gourmet meal with wine and my favorite dessert, and then we cuddle up until... Small hours. Well, then, why in the world are you crying? He replies, I'm so drunk, I can't remember where I live. <laughs> Drink lots of coffee. <laughs> yeah. <they do>. Uh... <laughs> well, <laughs> and I'm thinking when he sobers up, some of those uh, criteria he had talked about might not be what he remembers either. Look in your wallet for your ID and look where you live. <laughs> well, until next week, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. And just remember what you've got at home. And where home is. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.